Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. This weekend in, in sports was kind of supposed to stink, right? At least that's that's what I expected. The NBA's done now. The NHL is done now after after a seven-game series. Like, there should kind of be a letdown. Kind of feel empty, right? Well, I didn't think that was the case at all. I had a great weekend. Watched the U.S. Open, and I'm not a golf expert. Obviously, it's a simple game. You know, fewest strokes to the hole wins. But understanding the mechanics and the logistics of everything work. I, I was just sitting back enjoying the golf course, getting to know some of the golfers. I enjoyed watching the U.S. Open. Watched a little bit of uh, the Women's World Cup yesterday. The USA, the, the women's team beat up on, on Chile, so that was fun to watch. Watching a couple of different things. And, of course, we have the Brewers. We have Father's Day yesterday. Happy Father's Day. Uh, to everyone, to all the fathers out there. And I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but I'm, I'm sure that for a good portion of us, good portion of our listeners, that our sports fandom probably came from our father, right? Or a father-like figure in, in our life, which should definitely be celebrated on Father's Day uh, just the same. So happy Father's Day. My dad taught me how to hate the Cowboys, to hate the Bears, to hate the Cubs. Those are valuable skills in life. <laughs> of course, I'm, uh, I'm probably downplaying the role of fathers just a little bit, but happy Father's Day. Uh, I obviously love my dad very much and, and is a huge reason why I'm the sports fan uh, that I am today and that I'm able to do this job. So happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, and I hope you enjoyed your weekend. Uh, mostly I want to focus on the Brewers, although like I said, there, were, there was the U.S. Open, uh, which came down to a cool finish. Brooks Kepka almost came, came from behind to win USA Soccer yesterday. And of course the Lakers uh, finally did it. They finally traded for Anthony Davis this week, which I'm sure Dave uh, of Mornings with Dave and Scrady this morning gave you a full analysis uh, and probably some sort of opinionated rant on this morning. I didn't get to catch Dave's take on the Lakers trade, giving up a bunch of young players, a bunch of picks to bring in Anthony Davis. It was fun to talk about the Raptors for a couple of days, wasn't it? Because we're kind of done with that. The Raptors championship parade was today. And of course, everybody's leading uh, the big NBA shows, the big national talk shows, leading with Lakers, leading with Anthony Davis, uh, such as the life of a small market team, right? And if it were the Bucks, I would uh, I have no doubt uh, that it would be the exact same story. Talk about the Bucks for a day or two. Oh, the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis. Yep, we're going there. Talk about LeBron. Talk about if he can win another title. So uh, that's the nature of being being a small market team. A very busy weekend in sports, but w- without actual NBA games, without NHL games, we did have Brewer games to talk about. And look, I know that the Brewers won yesterday. And anytime the Brewers win on a Sunday and we're talking about a weekend series the next day, we're probably always going to be a little bit more positive. We're always going to remember it a little bit better because they were able to win that last game and leave a good taste in our mouth, right? We we don't like to be prisoners at the moment, but it's so easy, especially with baseball when there's so many games. Uh, the Brewers dropped two of three to the Giants over the weekend, and that's what I want to focus on because this is the Wisco Sports Show. We talk about Wisconsin sports, sports that matter to us. Uh, and I do want to talk about the Brewers. I, I feel like they left a lot of meat on the bone this weekend. I feel like they left a lot of meat on the bone. And by that, I look, you can win two of three against the Giants. And I'm not going to fault you because any team can get you one out of three games, right? That's very possible. I, I Winning one, man, I don't know. I know you're on the road. I know you're on a West Coast road trip, but you're coming off a day of rest, right? You're going against a Giants team who I heard just a couple of, uh, just a while ago on on Bill's show, on the Bill Michaels show. You hear that 11 to 2 
every day here on WKTY. I, they're a mess. They have nothing going for them except Madison Bumgarner, who they were ap- actually able to touch up in the one game that they faced him, which was on Saturday. The Brewers lost 8-7 to and blew a ton of opportunities to win that game. I understand. Maybe you only win 2-3, or three, but when you play a lackluster team like the Giants, you really have to take advantage of it. I feel like they left some meat on the bone this weekend. They left a little something to be desired. Individually, we have some great performances, some great stretches, and we had some great weekends as well. Uh, I, I noticed earlier today, just perusing Twitter, the Brewers' uh, uh, media relations director, Mike Vassallo, tweeting out, Christian Yelich is on a 13-game hitting streak. During that streak, he's batting 472 with five homers and 12 RBIs. That continued through the weekend. Moustakis is on a tear as well. And by the way, both of these players, Yelich and Moustakis, very high up in the All-Star voting, which is now really starting to ramp up as well at their respective positions. Moustakis has got a 10-game streak going, hitting 366 in that time with five home runs and eight RBIs. The Brewers have some great individual performances and some great individual stretches going on right now. But as we say a lot about football, we say it about basketball, they're all they're all team sports, right? Nobody can Nobody can do it on their own, especially in baseball. They left a lot of meat on the bone as a team. On Friday, they lost 5-3. to three. On Saturday, they lost 8-7. to seven. And that was, that was the game that stuck with me because you get to Madison Baumgartner, and at one point, you have a 5-1 lead. You have a 5-1 lead a couple of innings in. And you're thinking, man, you're in a great spot. Well, well, here's the problem. Jimmy Nelson ran out of gas once again, which I'm not faulting him for. He's coming back off of injury, but that's something Craig Council needs to take into mind. That's something the Brewers need to be ready for, and it almost looked like they got caught flat-footed. Oh, get get Adrian Hauser out to the bullpen. Let's go, 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 go. All right, meeting on the mound, kill some time. All right, one more batter. Yep, yep, now send the pitching coach out. Kill some time, kill some time. Like, like they were frantically not prepared to have somebody ready to go because Jimmy Nelson might run into that wall. He did. This is what happened uh, in the fifth inning. All right, Jimmy Nelson walks the bases loaded on four straight, or on three straight. Adrian Hauser comes in, in relief, and walks Brandon Belt to make it 5-2. to two. This inning starts at 5-1. to one. Then Pablo Sandoval grounds out, which brings in a run, makes it 5-3. to three. Then Steven Vogt, the former Brewer, hits a sack fly, makes it 5-4. to four. In the bottom of the fifth on Saturday, the Brewers go into that bottom of the inning up 5-1 to one against Madison Bumgarner. By far the best chance for a Giants to get a win this weekend, which they eventually did. Not because of Bumgarner, but still. The Brewers go into that bottom of the fifth inning, 5-1 to one the score, and they give up three runs, and they don't surrender a hit. That's what I'm talking about. Those are the kind of errors you just, you, as a team, as a team, individually, more often than not, players are having good stretches right now, but as a team, the Brewers were kicking the ball around on defense. Jimmy Nelson just couldn't throw strikes. Then Adrian Hauser comes in, and I don't really fault him coming into a situ- situation like that. He walks one run in. Okay. But you don't surrender a hit. And you let the Giants come, come from behind. 5-1. to one, And they make it 5-4 to four without the assistance of a hit on offense. That, that's what I'm talking about. Brewers let a little bit to be desired this weekend. And if you look down south, and they are in a dead heat right now with the Cubs in the NL Central. The Cubs just wrapped up a four-game set against the Dodgers, of which they lost three of four. And before that, they lost two of three to the Rockies. Last week, we were talking about the upcoming stretch for the Brewers. They have the Giants, who stink. They have the Padres, who stink, minus Manny Machado, but now it looks like he's been suspended for a game. So they're going to be without him coming up tonight. That series starts tonight. Meanwhile, the Cubs are duking it out in Colorado. They're duking it out against the Dodgers in L.A. The Brewers left some meat on the bone this weekend. 
I'm going to go to sleep tonight believing that. I that th- This is a weekend. That, that was a chance. You, you had to make some headway. You, you had a chance to make hay while the sun was shining. And you just you couldn't get it done. I wasn't expecting a sweep. I, I, I wasn't expecting a sweep, like I said, but, but one of three games, especially with the, the way that Saturday's game went down. Leaving something to be desired. Uh, if you want to join in on the Wisco Sports Show, 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. we got a lot of different things to cover today. It's going to be a fun show in that regard. I want to talk Packers coming up at 530. Uh, I saw a lot of our, our Twitter followers at WK2I tweeting earlier today about some Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur stuff. Uh, and there was a Mike Silver piece rele- uh, released for NFL Network, NFL Media, uh, about the relationship so far between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and, and, and some of the logistics behind the, how they're going to run the offense. And that raised some eyebrows, and I saw some of our listeners tweeting about it earlier today. So I'm going to present the quotes that we have so far, and then we're going to have a discussion about it and, and figure out exactly how meaningful this is. That's on the way at 5.30. And then some big uh, some big local news, well, and and Wisconsin news, both. Uh, the Davis twins, or not twins, but the Davis boys committing uh, to play college basketball at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So on one hand... We can talk about them as central basketball players who both have a year left, right? We can talk about it on that hand. But then also, we talk Wisconsin basketball on the show, too. So it's a little bit twofold. That'll be coming up at 545. As for right now, I want to talk Brewers, and I'd love to have you join me. 608-796-2558. More Brew Crew talk on the way. The Wisco Sports Show, presented by Played Against Sports, will return next here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for tuning in. Obviously recapping the uh, weekend series that the Brewers played against the San Francisco Giants, winning only one of three, but definitely having a great opportunity to win on Saturday. Uh, Some sloppy pitching, some sloppy defense, allowing the Giants to hang around and then win it at the end. And the Brewers get started again against the Padres tonight, 9-10 first pitch. 8.35 8.35 pregame, and you can hear that here on WKTY. Uh, I was talking to Rick Solom of Lacrosse Talk on PM last Friday and uh, peeling back the curtain just a little bit. You know, we have engineers, we have operation managers who sit in the studio and make sure the Brewer game is running, you know, play the commercials, turn the commercials down, um, and, and work all of the logistics so our Brewers broadcasts go smoothly. And, uh, you know, say a prayer. Keep in mind the Brewers board ops that are running these West Coast games. Typically take about four hours. If the pregame starts at 8.30, the postgame will probably go until around 12.30, assuming there are no delays or, or there's no uh, there's no some type of unforeseen circumstances. Like maybe the Brewers walking four straight batters. I don't know. Keep our, keep our board ops in mind as they run these late-night Brewer games. They are starting a series with the Padres, and it looks like Manny Machado could end up being suspended for one of them, depending on how long his appeal takes. He has been suspended one game for, quote, aggressively arguing and making contact with umpire Bill Welke uh, after he was ejected last Saturday night while playing the Rockies. So maybe the Brewers uh, get the Padres for one of these games minus Manny Machado. We'll see. I I don't know how long this appeal would take. I can't imagine it would drag out for days or weeks, but you never know. Maybe the Brewers will will get the benefit of a one-game Manny Machado suspension. They just wrapped up a series losing one game uh, or only winning one game of three to the Giants, and we're talking about it. 608-796-2558. The five-star telecom talking text line if you'd like to join. Twitter, as always, both at Keystroker Grant and at WKTY. Here's my thing. Okay, yes, I know there are 163 regular games, or 162 games in the regular season, 163 if you play the tiebreaker like they did last year. Not every game means the entire world, and I understand that, but I'm looking at the Cubs, 
They lost three of four to the Dodgers this weekend after losing two of three to the Rockies. And the Brewers, well, yeah, they had a tough matchup against the Astros. They also got the benefit of some time off to travel out west and then to play a pretty lackluster opponent in the Giants. And if you ask people in the Giants media or in the organization, they're struggling right now. And I heard somebody say that on Bill's show last Friday. 11 to 2 every day here on WKTY. I, 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 I get that not every game, not, not every series can mean the world. I hear all the time, especially from Radio Joe, Bill's producer, who was on the show last week, or was it two weeks ago? And Joe is as conservative as they come, not politically, but ideologically and methodically with how sports teams are managed, right? Not every game can mean the end of the world. You can't go all in. Not every season can be a World Series season. Okay, even with that approach, and people who subscribe and subscribe to that approach are, 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 are very adamant that baseball's different, right? It's not just... The best team will beat the lesser team every time. It's not, all right, we're going to play the Mariners, who stink on ice. We should win all three games. Well, if you've watched baseball for any period of time, you know that that's not the case, right? The Marlins, last week, were a great example. They came out of nowhere, one of the worst offenses in baseball, to hang double-digit runs on the Brewers two out of the three games. Like, they, they just played tremendous. 16 runs in one game, eight or nine in another, so I guess only one 16-run game, but one double-digit game. Their offense came out of nowhere. In this weekend, Saturday being a great example, Stephen Vogt had two triples in a game. Like That'll probably never happen again. But you play 163 regular season games of baseball or 62. Things like that happen. Oh, okay, baseball is different. Mike Yastrzemski was playing like he was 15 years younger, making that diving catch to save the day on Saturday. Like Sometimes you have guys step up that you would never expect. Some guys, off, sometimes offenses get clicking like you never expect. It's not always the best team will beat the lesser team. Agreed. I, I think we can all understand that. Where my problem is, is if you are a contending team, if you're a World Series team or an NLCS team, in the case of last year's Brewers, shouldn't you be able to do a little bit of something about that? Shouldn't you have a say in the matter? Let me, let me explain what I mean. Yes, the Marlins, they got hot. Their offense came out of nowhere, and they were scoring a bunch of runs. The best teams in Major League Baseball, which I hope, which I think the Brewers are at least near that club, if not in that club, with the Cubs and with the Dodgers, let's just stay in the National League, the Braves and the Phillies, those teams would look at a series like that and say, oh, the Marlins are really hot. Our our pitching's going to have to step up, and our bats are going to have to get hot too. Because we can't just roll over and say, well, they got hot. They got hot at the right time. Right? Their offense is just clicking. What do you want us to do? No, that no, no. That's not how high-level teams operate. That's not how contending-level teams operate. You have to have an answer for that. You have to have a response. And even if it means just scraping by and barely winning two of three games against that lesser opponent, then that's, that's what it takes. It doesn't have to be pretty, but you need to have some say in the matter. Even in a game where Steven Vogt hits two triples and Yastrzemski is, is playing like a... a, a third-year superstar player, and he's making catches you could have never expected. Okay, what what do we do? We never saw this coming. Well, you can't walk the bases loaded and then walk a run in and then surrender two more runs on a ground ball and a sack fly. And all in all, blow a five-run lead and give up three runs in one bottom of one inning, allowing no hits. The best teams have some say in the matter. They have some control. They have some autonomy where they can say, yes, I know the Marlins are super hot on offense, and there's not really a whole lot we can do about that, but we still have control over this, this, and this. And we are still, in some sense, controlling our own destiny, right? I hear it it all the time. It's not just about the best teams 
beating up on the lesser teams. It's not like football, where the Packers should always beat the Buffalo Bills at Lambeau Field. Right? And they should always beat the Lions at Lambeau Field because that's how it works. That's how football works. That's how the Packers work. And that's how the the the, the universe is aligned in the NFL right now. That's not how baseball works. And I understand that. But even when the Marlins are clicking on offense, and even when Steven Vogt is, is hitting triples, for God's sake, the best team should be able to say, okay, I see you. Check out what we can do because we're better. The best teams... See that? And they say, okay, we got to raise our level. Not, oh man, what are we going to do? We caught the Marlins at the wrong time. Guess we'll get swept. It's not how the best teams work. Teams like the Brewers or the Dodgers or the Cubs will say, all right, our offense is going to step up. They'll say, okay, well, our bullpen is just going to have to meet some extra innings. All right, well, well, we score seven runs and the Marlins score six. Well, guess Josh Hader is going to have to be tremendous because we're not losing two or three games to the Marlins. We're not losing two or three games to the Giants. We have postseason experience. We know what it's like to play against a team that's hot at the right time. See the Dodgers last year where Chris Taylor was balling out, right? And Justin Turner was hitting bombs into left field at Miller Park to rip all of our hearts out, right? They have that experience. They know what it's like. They have a season manager in Craig Council who's been there, done that now in the postseason. Hasn't won it, but he's certainly been in these pressure situations. Our manager knows how to tinker against a really good, a really hot team, against a, a great bullpen or against a great offense. We have that on our side. We can have some say in the matter. Because the best teams can't just lay down, and the Brewers can't lay down in this stretch. Let's say they get into San Diego. And out of nowhere, the Padres start hitting the snot out of the baseball. And their pitchers start all pitching at a Cy Young caliber. Because, Well, that's just how they're playing right now. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Because the Brewers aren't the Reds. The Brewers aren't the Pirates. They're not some middle-of-the-road team. This is a team with postseason aspirations. And I bet if you ask the players, with World Series aspirations. And when they get to the playoffs, and they face a really hot offense... The answer can't be, well, they got hot at the right time. The answer can't be, they're just on another level right now. We caught them at a bad time. That's not how good teams approach situations like this. They can't. Because right now the Cubs are out west getting beat up by the Dodgers, getting beat up by the Rockies. And coming up in the near future, they've got to play the Rockies again, and they've got to play the Cardinals again. And so far, the Cubs have struggled. They've played these teams close. All three games in L.A. that they lost were fairly close. They played four games in L.A. They lost 3-2. to two, They lost 5-3. to three, And I guess they lost 7-3, to three, which isn't super close. But even in the game they won, they won 2-1. to one. It's not like the Cubs are getting ran by the Dodgers. That's a good team. They're just fighting it out with a tough opponent right now, much like they did in, in Colorado when they lost 10-3 and 6-5. to five. Now they got some games with the White Sox coming up. Those aren't going to be games that the, that the Cubs are probably going to lose. When the Brewers get a stretch of schedule against the Marlins against the Padres, and like against the Giants, like we just saw. Yeah, you might catch that team at a bad time. They might be feeling it. But if you are the team that you say you are, and you think you believe you are, that you're destined to go back to the playoffs and try to do better than you did last year, which was Game 7 of the NLCS. So that means World Series. If you are that team, if you believe you're that team, you cannot let the Marlins swing the bats hot on a Tuesday night and completely allow that to derail that stretch of your homestand. You can't. Good teams aren't operating that way. And and I, I get it. It might be a struggle. It might be ugly. 
But the Brewers had no business losing that game on Saturday. They had no business losing some of those games to the Marlins. And they have no business coming out of this weekend series in in San Francisco. One of three. Can't do that. I don't care how good. The the, the Giants didn't even play that well. They beat up on Madison Bumgarner. They had a 5-1 lead. And they walked the bases loaded, walked a run in, allowed a sack fly, and a fielder's choice to score a run. Can't operate that way. I don't care how good the Marlins are playing. I don't care how good the Giants are playing. And I do not want to hear the same discussion surrounding a Padres series in three or four days. Should the Brewers struggle or should the Padres play really well? The best teams, the best managers, the best offenses, the best pitching staffs, the best bullpens have something to say in the matter. Otherwise, we could just look at the trends, the recent trends offensively and defensively. We could project out these series and we wouldn't have to play the games. But they do play the games. And the good teams have to play these games better, like the Brewers. And I'm not going to accept what I saw against the Giants. I'm not going to accept what I saw against the Marlins. You have to have some answer. Can't just lay down. Ugh. Let's talk about something a little bit more interesting, a little bit different. That's the Green Bay Packers. I, I saw some interactions on Twitter earlier today from some of our listeners, some of our followers at WKTY on Twitter saying, man, there's drama between Lafleur and Rodgers already. Well, not a whole lot. There are a couple of quotations, and they are very interesting. Let's break them down and... and Try to figure out, is there beef? I don't think there is. But there might be. Maybe your opinion uh, will be different. Let's talk about that next. The Wisco Sports Show returns in a moment here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. 96.7 FM and 580 AM. Always stream us on our mobile app. And at WKTYsports.com. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in to the Wisco Sports Show. As always, presented by Play It Again Sports. And I was actually in Play It Again this weekend. Um, some friends and uh, and I went uh, disc golfing yesterday uh, over in Sparta at, at Justin Trails. First of all, awesome, awesome time. Uh, and if you've ever, if you've never been there, I would recommend going. It's kind of a hidden gem, but we needed some discs. So we're like, well, let's drive, let's drive over on our way out of town. We can go to Dick's Sporting Goods. And when we got there, I was like, man, what about play it again? Let's stop in. Cause I hadn't even considered maybe they have some Frisbees. Maybe they have some discs and wouldn't you know a ton of them and at a, at a really good price too. some really nice drivers, some really nice putters, three, four bucks, two bucks, even for some of the beat up ones. So, Hey, you know, never dismiss play it again. When you're thinking, ah, I need some, I need something like this. I need one of these. Just go look. You never know. We probably would have spent three or four times the amount if we would have gone next door. So always check out Played Against Sports. You never know. You absolutely never know how they can help you out. So we have been talking baseball. I actually, uh, it's been rare this spring and into the summer that we've talked football, but I want to talk a little bit of Green Bay Packers. Are you ready for some yeah. football? Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm always ready for football. Scrady knows that w- enough of the NBA, enough of the MLB for now. Let's talk Green Bay Packers. Let's talk football. I always love, and I find it fascinating, that anytime any sort of quote comes out from Aaron Rodgers, that it it turns into a big deal, that we analyze it. It could be three sentences, and, and here we are talking about it, breaking it down. Well, what does he mean? Well, what's the underlying... What's his tone? What's his body language? What's his facial expressions? And I, and I think it just goes to show the power that the NFL has that maybe the NBA, the MLB, the NHL don't have. We follow free agents in the NBA. We watch the finals, right? In baseball, it's a hot stove league. We, we, we watch the Brewers almost every day. We listen here on WKTY, but we're not breaking down press conferences. Good Lord. If Craig Council makes a, makes a slight comment 
about a player, we might mention it, but we're not going to analyze it. There aren't going to be columns and articles written about it. Well, that's the power that football has. That's the power, at least for right now, that Aaron Rodgers has. Uh, So Mike Silver of NFL Network and NFL Media as a whole, just the NFL, spent some time in Green Bay, wrote a column about how Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers are, are getting off. Are they getting off on good foot, bad foot? What's going on in Green Bay, essentially? I don't know if he went there uh, with a specific focus to write this piece, if he was looking to specifically detail Aaron Rodgers or Matt LaFleur, or he did more of a comprehensive, wholesome look at the Packers and then said, okay, well, here's something interesting that I can write about. I don't know what his motivation was going in, although I, I assume it's a pretty safe bet to think he was most interested in a first-year head coach and in Aaron Rodgers, their their superstar quarterback, right? And there were a couple of quotations that got pulled from this article regarding the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur as it specifically pertains to football, right? What kind of freedom does Aaron Rodgers have at the line of scrimmage to audible to do what he wants? Because as you know, that became a big point of contention as the McCarthy-Aaron Rodgers relationship got real bad, right? Aaron wanted to do this. Mike McCarthy did this. And and whether it went good or bad, who got the blame, who got the credit, it turned into a mess, right? And that was one of our concerns when bringing in a new head coach is how is he going to handle Freedom at the line of scrimmage, Aaron Rodgers' power to audible, right? Well, this is the quote. This is the material that we got that Mike Silver dug up. This is Matt LaFleur, okay, regarding how they're going to handle control versus freedom in the offense that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers will have such a big part in crafting. This is what Matt LaFleur said. Aaron and I have had some good talks, and we're going to have a lot more. One thing we have to work through is the audible thing. We're running a system I first picked up while working with Kyle Shanahan in Houston a decade ago, and we've never really had a quarterback who's had complete freedom to change plays at the line because that's not really the way offense is set up. But I mean, this is Aaron Rodgers. He's had a lot of freedom to make those calls, and deservedly so. Now, how do we reconcile that and get to a place where we put him in the best position to succeed? Okay, that's that's the, the wholesome quote, right? Now, if I'm reading that, To me, I interpret that as, man, I've never really dealt with an offense where we've given freedom to quarterbacks, and Aaron Rodgers has had a lot of freedom, and and deservedly so. How are we going to make this work? We're going to have to talk about it. We're going to have to work on it. And ultimately, we want to put Aaron in the best position to succeed, so this offense succeeds, so I succeed, and the Green Bay Packers succeed, right? That's what everyone wants. How do we accomplish that? Okay, well, then Aaron Rodgers, I I don't want to call it a clapback. I don't know the sequence of of how these, these things were quoted, Aaron probably was asked about this, the talks that are ongoing, right? And Rogers said this, it's a conversation in progress. I don't think you want to ask me to turn off 11 years and we have a number of check with me's and line of scrimmage stuff. It's just the other stuff that not many people in this league can do. Obviously, in this scenario, Aaron Rodgers is talking about 11 years of of seeing defenses and, and recognizing certain things. It's a lot of experience, right? You don't want to just ignore that. He continues. That's not like a humble brag or anything. That's just a fact. There aren't many people that can do at the line of scrimmage what I have done over the years. I mean, obviously, Tom Brady can do it, no doubt. Peyton Manning could do it. Breeze could do it. Mahomes will be able to do it. Ben Roethlisberger is called the two-minute for years. There are a few of us who have just done it. It's kind of second nature, and that's the icing on the cake for what I can do in this offense. So there we go. There's the setup. There's the quotes. There's the background information you need. Yes, I tried to narrate LaFleur and Rodgers uh, as best as I could. So there's the setup. Now, naturally, I think uh, Florio, uh, Mike Florio at NBC and at Pro Football Talk was, was not necessarily blowing this up, but there was a phrase that I saw 
that was the honeymoon period is over. I kept seeing that. How long will the honeymoon period last? Right? When will they finally start to maybe butt heads like we saw with McCarthy and Rogers? When will they finally disagree on something? Right? The honeymoon is over. Uh, is what I saw Florio at, at, at NBC talk. Obviously, one of the most respected football people in the business. So let's go with that. Let's say the honeymoon period is now over, and let's entertain this marriage analogy for just a couple of minutes. Now, if I'm thinking about a marriage, which, of course, the honeymoon and the honeymoon phase is a big part of, right? What is the ultimate goal of a marriage, right? Okay, we get the vows, love, and, and cherish each other and, and, and be with each other as long as we both shall live, right? Yeah, I do. Those are the vows. But really what it's about, marriage is, is a process over the years. You're learning how to compromise. You're learning how to live with each other. You're learning, okay, what about this person do I have to say, look, you got you to gotta change? And what about this person, okay, I can, I can put up with that, right? Okay, so my husband chews with his mouth open. I can't stand that, and I have to say something. Okay, my husband, every night when he gets home, takes his socks off and leaves them on the floor and doesn't pick them up until the next morning. Okay, I, I can deal with that. That's, that's a quirk. But listening to a chew with his mouth open, absolutely not, right? Marriage is a process. You're figuring things out about each other even 20, 30 years down the road, right? As, as long as the marriage goes, you're constantly learning the push and the pull. You're learning how to work with each other. And we talk all the time about how the ideal situation for raising children is, is two married parents, right? Not divorced, not single, although there are fantastic parents in all situations, but I would think there's certainly more challenges to being a, a single parent, a divorced parent, right? The ideal situation. I was listening to Dave Ramsey on our sister station, WIZM, talk about how there's a, a sequence to success, right? The statistics show. You get a job, you get married, and then you have the kid, right? That's the sequence where most people find success. Obviously, there are exceptions. Well, I, I think married parents have success more often than not because there's a blending of beliefs. There's a blending of ideologies, there's a blending of methods, right? So when two parents come together, you kind of get the best of both worlds as a child, right? In that marriage. Your dad is, 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 is really great at talking about faith. Uh, or, or, or maybe you're raising him in a certain, the child in a certain faith. Or, and, and maybe the mom is great at something else, right? Parents have strengths. Parents have weaknesses. I don't think that's a, that's a hot take. So the child gets the best of both worlds, right? Well, if we're talking about the Packers as the child. The offense is the child, and the two parents are Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. I would want there to be some disagreement, some compromise, much like you would need in a marriage. They're learning to live with each other right now. Let's say the honeymoon period is over, and now they're going through minicamp together. They're going through OTAs together. They're learning how to coexist, right? When you, mar- when you get married, you move in with someone. Okay, well, how, how do I... Find me time. How do I keep the kitchen clean when that slob's walking around? How do I deal with this, that? Who gets to pick what we're watching tonight? That, that's part of the process, right? There's a push and a pull. There's a compromise that's needed. And, and because of that, when parents have children, that's why we want two-parent households, right? You get the best of both worlds. One parent has some strengths. The other has some weaknesses. I think it's the same in football. And look, I'm not the one who wanted to bring up the marriage analogy. I saw others do it. That's why I'm that's why I'm going on this rant, right? Is because somebody else started. I'm just if we're going to talk marriage, let's talk marriage and let's finish it. You want parents to sometimes have disagreements. That's what makes a marriage stronger. That's what allows the child to get the best of both worlds in some sense, right? Parents might differ on some things and and the child, in this case the offense of the Green Bay Packers gets to say, "Okay, this is going to work well, this isn't." 
and we're all going to be stronger because of it. We're going to be a more effective offense, more effective team because of it. Now, obviously, that's in an ideal world. Divorce is real as well, where two parties get together and they think, okay, I can put up with that. And then years down the road, you realize, okay, maybe I can't put up with that. And that's where we see divorce, right? So I've got to recognize both sides of that sword. But if both parties are willing to work, they're willing to learn more, and they're willing to spend time with their partner in overcoming issues, that's often where you get the strongest marriages. And I think that in this situation is where you could get a very, very strong offense. Look in New England. Tom Brady yells all the time at Josh McDaniels, his offensive coordinator. We've seen it on the sideline. And it works. Because I think the product is all the better for it. Now look in Pittsburgh, where Big Ben Roethlisberger yelled at his offensive coordinator, Todd Haley, all the time. That's where it didn't work. And maybe what we know about Big Ben's personality would tell us, okay, well, maybe he's not cut out for a long-term marriage. Maybe he hasn't been able to compromise. Maybe he hasn't been able to take the time, and that's why those two had to eventually split, right? Now, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are going to be more like Brady and McDaniels or if they're going to be more like Haley and, uh, and Big Ben Roethlisberger. But I think that blending of ideologies, that blending of personalities is what makes a stronger final product. That's what we talked about a couple of months ago. When they hired Nathaniel Hackett, who is the ooh-rah-rah guy, the guy who is sometimes so hyped up he's out of control, that guy, paired with Matt LaFleur, paired with Mike Pettin, different personalities, different strengths, different weaknesses, that's how you get a strong staff. You don't want a bunch of clones. You want a bunch of coaches who can bring something different to the table and players who can bring something different to the table. So I'm I'm not going to say this is a bad thing. Mike McCarthy and and Brett Favre went through this at the beginning, and that's what turned around Brett Favre's career. So I'm going to continue to watch. But as long as we're bringing up the marriage argument and saying, well, the honeymoon phase is over, well, in most marriages, that's when things get real. That's when the work actually begins of maintaining a relationship, of getting to know each other, getting closer and and learning more about each other. So here's where we're going to find out what Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are really made of. And not to turn all marriage counselor, I, I think most of that stuff is common sense. Never been married, but I, I don't think I'm talking out of bounds there at all. We'll continue uh, to see what happens with this Green Bay Packers team. Follow at WKTY, follow at Keystroker Grant, both on Twitter. We're going to continue talking about this uh, as the day goes on. Unfortunately, today, as far as this show, the Wisco Sports Show is concerned, we're out of time. we got to talk uh, possibly the most important news story of the weekend, and that was Johnny and Jordan Davis and what their plans are going to be in a couple of years when they graduate. We'll wrap up the show with that. Coming up next here on WKTY. <laughs> Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you had a great weekend enjoying the U.S. Open, some USA soccer, obviously some NBA news, and maybe the most important news that we haven't talked about yet today was uh, the news regarding Jordan and Johnny Davis of Lacrosse Central. Now, here on the Wisco Sports Show, I'd like to think we have an awesome mix of teams and players that we talk about. Of course, we hit the big ones. Badgers, Brewers. Bucks, Packers, right? But I think we're also in a really unique position to talk about UW lacrosse sports with Coach Mike Schmidt and UWL basketball with Coach Sternbach. And, and, and we've talked about all the high school teams around here as well, especially central basketball. So it's cool when two worlds kind of collide, right? Because on one hand, we talked a lot of Wisconsin basketball this winter. And we talked a lot of central basketball too. And now those worlds are kind of coming together as the two Davis boys, Johnny and Jordan, uh, are committing to go to UW-Madison to play uh, for Coach Greg Gard and, and be Badgers. And it's interesting because you kind of have to separate 
the two teams, right? I'm a fan of Central. I'm a fan of the Badgers. What does this mean for both of those pieces of my sports fandom, right? Well, let's start with Central. It's, of course, anytime a, a high school player from one of your teams that you follow or you are a fan of goes to play at the next level, that's a win, right? You're always happy no matter where they go, whether it's at UWL, whether it's a Division II school, or you go Division One and you get some money and, and, and you get an education, awesome. Anytime any of the players from Central, Logan, on Alaska, the entire area in which we cover, is able to play at the next level, that's fantastic, and that should always be commended. Now, the Wisconsin half of my fandom, I, I need to remind myself, Johnny Davis and Jordan Davis aren't just feel-good stories from Central, a team that I have covered and called and, and talked about on the show, but they're really good players in general, right? And I think we sometimes forget that. As, as much as we are sucked into watching the Davis boys play at Central, I don't think that we have wrapped our minds around about really how good of prospects they actually are because I think we think of them as, well, they play for Central. And I follow Central, and they're some of the best players on Central, so I'm a big fan. I, I like it. Well, wait, wait, no, no, no. These are two players that actually translate really well to the next level. Obviously, Johnny's going to get all the headlines. Johnny was first-team All-State this year. All-State. He averaged 23 points a game, almost 10 rebounds, just shy of 9.5 rebounds, and about 2.5 assists in high school. As a junior. Jordan, his brother, 12.5 points. 4.5 rebounds. And once again, about 2.5 assists per game. He was an honorable mention All-State pick. These are really decorated basketball players who have shown the ability to score, to shoot, to play from the inside, to play from the outside. And they're both really good defenders, which might be the most slept-on portion of both of their games. Because I know Central is such a good team and they defend well as a whole Their skills as individual defenders, I think, is a big portion of what Wisconsin loved so much about them. Here's what's interesting. Here's the cool wrinkle in this story. Johnny, Johnny Davis, of course, not Jordan. It's easy to sometimes get them mixed up. Is a four-star shooting guard by 24-7 Sports, which is kind of the website that I refer to. It's what most people refer to high school recruiting and and information on that front and in that regard. He's a four-star composite shooting guard. Four-star. Out of five, obviously, and has been a high priority and in the forefront of the Badgers' mind. They offered him, if you remember, back in November of 2017. So it's been about a year and a half. The interesting thing is Johnny is the only shooting guard that the Badgers offered during that period. Now, I don't know if that's because the Badgers didn't like any other shooting guards or they wanted to wholeheartedly show their commitment to Johnny in effort to get him to choose Wisconsin, right? Now, Johnny was also being recruited by Marquette. West Virginia, Minnesota, Iowa, and others. And a lot of this information I'm getting from 24-7 Sports, by the way. Not just offhand. I'm not just guessing. I'm not trying to remember off. This is this is church right here, right? This is solid. Johnny talking about uh, Wisconsin committing him and pursuing him as the only shooting guard in that class, and whether it means a lot. He said, yes, it means a lot. No other team has shown the time and commitment as they have. We can't not take advantage of of this opportunity. He said they're great. They always check up on me. Ask how I'm doing. Coach guard call me three nights a week. They're great people. Well, and of course Joe Krabinoff as well. The assistant coach to Greg guard. Who does a ton of this recruiting. And I, and I believe uh, was forefront in recruiting both of the Davis boys. And I know Greg guards the head coach. I know he's calling on the phone. But Krabinoff and some of those other assistants are probably on the road. Uh, and are probably doing a lot more at times. Dealing with these players. Answering questions. Dealing with commitment and, and, and scholarships and all sorts of of uh, of those kinds of things, right? I, I think it's easy to forget. I think it's easy to say, 
Well, they go to Central. Yeah, they're great players. Good for them. They're going to play at Wisconsin. We'll see what they become. No, 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 no. No, no. Johnny Davis is a four-star shooting guard. Right? He's an elite defender while scoring 23 points a game. And he knows what it's like to win. That's part of that. That's something I think we forget in all of this. Why is it in the NFL that teams like to draft players from Alabama, from Ohio State, from LSU, right? These are programs that win games and compete at a really high level. Why do NBA players always seem to be drafted from Duke, from North Carolina, from Syracuse, from Virginia, from Michigan, from Michigan State? Because those are good programs who have a great culture, who are used to winning more games than they lose and playing for a successful coach. Right. Well, now Johnny is going to go from a winning program all on a much smaller scale at Central High School that has a culture, that has a a methodology and an ideology about how they are and how they train and how they play. And he is going to go play for a winning coach at the college level and a really good program in the Big Ten at UW-Madison. Right. And I think we forget about that. I think we forget that, that aside from being our hometown favorite, Johnny Davis, he actually, outside of the scope of Lacrosse Central and the conference, is a, is a tremendous player. Maybe that's easy for you to remember. Sometimes I can forget when we're talking about all these different players, all these different teams, right? 23 points a game, nine and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, and a really long, spry, bouncy defender. Who I think at times in this weekend, uh, playing down in Madison at, w- at one of their camps, has taken it personally to guard the other team's best player and show off that defense a little bit, showing and, and looking really eager and really ready uh, to play defense at the highest level, which isn't something that a lot of players take ownership of. And I can say that about Jordan as well, after watching him for a season or so now and calling some of their games. He's a guy who takes defense personally and wants to show that that's something that he cares about, that that's something that he emphasizes, not just does on the side. I don't just do it secondary because I have to. If I want to be out there and play offense, I guess I got to play defense, something that they actually wrap their arms around. Tomorrow I'm excited because we're going to talk to Evan Flood on the program who's the Wisconsin insider for 24-7 sports, like I talked about, for CBS Sports and uh, Badger 24-7, right? He covers high school. He was in Onalaska. He was in Logan Central going around the state this past season watching all of these players, and he's certainly very, very connected in Madison as well. So tomorrow at 5.30, he's going to join the show and talk about and expand on a lot of the details that I just mentioned. I'm really, really excited because I've been waiting for an excuse to have Evan on to talk about it because we have so many great players in this area. Now we have a rhyme. Now we have a reason. Let's do it tomorrow. Talking Johnny, Jordan Davis, their commitment to UW-Madison with Evan Flood tomorrow at 5.30. Brewers late tonight, 8.35 pregame, 9.10 first pitch. I'm going to stay up. If you don't want to, that's fine. We'll talk about it tomorrow on the Wisco Sports Show, and I'll fill you in. Talk to you then.